0: Speaking of Reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of
1: Reliability. This is Fred Shankelberg, And this is Chris Jackson. And Fred and I are talking about how we can become better consultants or maybe just
0: That's not entirely true. You know, know. well, it was you or no? It was uh, somebody asked me this week, and I mentioned that we got our thousandth episode coming up, and they says, "Well, are you going to do anything special for that? Because it used to be every hundred episodes, we we would do something unique. You know, and one of them, I think, an episode two hundred or three hundred, we said, "What was? How did you become a consultant?" And each of us had a slightly different story for it. Um, of how we came around to being a consultant. And there's not one path. There's no doubt about it. Um, and there's different kinds of consulting. Uh, yet this, this week, I had a, somebody is retiring from their uh, their career, basically. And part big part of it was reliability engineering. And what caught my eye was this. I got an email message with a subject line as retired engineer looking for consulting work. All right, hmm. I think I would have phrased that differently. <laughs> you know, yeah. because that subject line was hire me because I want your money is the way I interpreted it as opposed to hey, I got tons of experience, I can help you. You know, it 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 just struck me and I've had conversations with other people, so how do I get into consulting? And this is Well, you actually have to be known and trusted and people know that you can add value you can do something that that is a a way for them to get that the benefit of your knowledge is is a big piece of it at least in my mind there's all kinds of different types of consulting but the the work i've done mostly is you come in as a subject matter expert and help them solve a problem or make forward motion on and changing the culture or doing something like that as opposed to coming in and just running the machine for them for a couple of weeks and then going away. And it, and then the machine stops, you know, kind of thing. A pair of hands is another style of consulting. Um, but anyway, it was one of these things where I always think back to the analogy of the planting a tree. The best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. And the second best time is right now.
1: And I yep. don't know who said that's that. It's a good saying, that one.
0: Yeah. And and and. Part of this conversation was triggered because you mentioned you're heading to, off to a conference next week, uh, and it makes me think of the early on. I went to conferences because I wanted to learn more about reliability engineering, and I wanted, and I also deliberately wanted to network because there's a lot of smart people out there in our field, and knowing who knows what comes in really handy when you're facing a problem that you know that, hey, Chris, could you take a look at this one? Am I approaching this right? It, it's a huge leverage to make progress. And, and then eventually you can turn around and you can help other people do that. And you and I, Chris, and I know many of the hosts of the show receive questions on a regular basis and we're glad to help because we got helped all along the way. Right. Um,
1: and I know you certainly helped me when I first started going, Hey, I'm a reliability engineer. Please hire me. Um, but
0: yeah. you didn't, I, hopefully you were better than that. Otherwise I would have you know, yelled at you or something. It was,
1: <laughs> I, I can't recall exactly how the conversation went down, but, um, uh, but I think, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's a huge transition. I mean, and, and you don't understand how big the transition is until you do the transition. It's like, you know, parenthood. You can read as many parenthood books as you want. You can see. You know, other people go through becoming a first-time parent. You can understand that. Yes, you now need to deal with a seven-pound, completely useless dependent. mammal yeah. that needs a fully lot of food. Yeah, right. You, you can you can understand that in a very technical sense, but until you do it, you got you, you got no idea. You get no idea. Yeah. Um, you're gonna. Yes,
0: you too can change a diaper at three in the morning when you're dead asleep.
1: <laughs> right. And every parent has a different approach to it. That's the reality. Um, Or couples, they have Mm -hmm. their strategy. Okay, Uh, you do this shift, I do that shift. Uh, um, You know, so those who know, know. I think the same can be said about consulting. Yes, you can sit there and say, yes, I understand. I need to get funnel marketing this. I need to reach out to 100 people and then maybe one or two of them will actually be people who are going to hire me in the future, so on and so forth. I think people can understand that technically and because they have by and large been employees in an organisation, they're very, very used to training and competence being based on ticking a box so to speak yes i've read i I get it i understand i need to find people uh now people hire those people start hiring me it doesn't work like that until you live and breathe it you don't know the challenges and it can be heart-wrenching sometimes when you have perhaps mortgaged your house to pursue your consulting dream um that's that's it that's an that's not uncommon as well. You look at a lot a lot of the great entrepreneurs of the world, they had to, in many cases, sacrifice marriages to pursue their dream. It's, it's, it's not, a, it's not a, a smooth transition where you just sort of step off one money-earning conveyor belt and fall into another. Um, if, it, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. I can't. So I think the first thing is you just can't understand how challenging that is. Yeah, I
0: think there's ways to mitigate that. And it starts long oh, before you decide to go to consulting. And I think it's right. that idea of, well, go to a conference, but not just attend a conference. That's a step, right? Present at the conference, you know, do the workshops, do the evening meetings, uh, do every opportunity you get to be on in front of an audience or to share what you know or or do stuff, do it. And part of it is, learning how to work with other people and to, to answer questions and to you know convey what you know in a way that other people get it and they understand they can make a difference because as a consultant that's what you're doing you're you know taking a look at a situation or a stack of data and you're analyzing it and looking at it and going all right here's what you need to do different. If you're not able to communicate that well and that takes practice to a presentation mm-hmm. or in a meeting or in a proposal um You're three steps behind, Um, even though you might be the world's best, whatever to do that, solve that problem. If you can't communicate it, nobody will know that and they won't, you, you won't get that job. Part of it too, is let people know what field you're in. What, what do you work on so that after 10, 15 years, if you got the time machine is go back and, and, you know, build up a body of work that when you google yourself it comes up with 15 pages of all of the presentations you've done all the papers you've written all the books you've been involved with um it's funny is the the today when a, a new client comes they like, i saw you on linkedin or i i googled you know the topic i'm interested in your name it came up a lot We don't use billboards, but Google and LinkedIn are our closest allies to that or a similar function as that. I don't remember the last time anybody asked me to send me their resume. Um, No. You know, no, they already know. If you don't have a complete LinkedIn profile that it's, you know, the equivalent of a, a really good CV, but. More focused on what you can do for somebody else, what you services you're offering, and what areas of expertise you bring to the table, they stop. They're not going to ask you for any more information. They're not going to ask you to sign an NDA to, to talk it through.
1: Well, the other thing is that I mean, people again, you come from an employee-employer culture. You, you, people tend to be, oh, sad to say, I mean, it's a bit of continuum, but. Uh, it tends to be more, or what have you done? How much time have you spent? What, what's your seniority? What courses have you completed? You have, a, you have a bachelor's, you have a master's, okay. And it means it's all, all about the accumulation of qualifications and experience, which of course is important. But in the consulting world, again, I not many people ask me about my resume for a long time. I often get asked to send it as part of a sort of formality for, you know, checkbox for the blog. HR department, yeah. Right, yeah. but. When they reached out to me, it was because it was a podcast or a, oh, we like this, we like that. Um, um, you 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 seem to solve this problem, or you you explain viable distributions, or whatever it is. It's not it's not even about um. It's it's not it's not about the uh, what is on the resume or CV because if you've got a strong resume and CV, that's going to be apparent in the way you talk, uh, the way you do all that stuff you just talked about, which is going to go onto your LinkedIn profile. I think that's a big culture shock too. People say, well, I've been doing this for 30 years. I am a reliability, quality, six ninja. I've got belts that are every color under the rainbow. Why are you not hiring me? It's just, if you don't explain what it is you're going to do or what problem you're going to solve, um, then you're not going to get hired. And clients are people who have a problem. As a rule, I think most of our clients are, are clients who have come across an issue and they go, this is beyond me. This is beyond us. I yeah. need somebody else to help us out.
0: We don't have time to generate the solution internally. We need an answer quicker. So, and that's one of the, one of the many roles of consultants is to bring right. in expertise very quickly as opposed to growing it yourself. Because they could say, hey, you know, Fred, why don't you go to this conference and then take this class. And in two years, you could solve this problem for us. Well, we don't tend to want to work that slow,
1: right. I mean, that there are that those that tends to happen when, when organizations are having a deliberate initiative to improve what's called their reliability maturity, but that's mm-hmm. not in response to a something's on fire problem now. and so i I think there's this again, there's the expectation one that um, that yes, you will you understand that there is a there is a, a shock when it comes to money earning but you until you until you take that step you'll you'll never know what it is two there's a whole um CV resume versus actually connecting with people um and I think three is when the next step is or well, if you had to describe what it is you do in that elevator speech to somebody what is it that you do and if you just, if your response right now is to go through your resume and say, well, this is, this is all this is all my experience. So I've served 10 years at this organization. I've got 65 certified certificates and blah, 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 blah. That's not telling that person what it is you offer. That's telling that person what you've endured, not what you can offer.
0: <laughs> That's a good choice of words are endured. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. But even good employees, it, when you're in the interview looking for a job, it's not that I went to the school and I did this. They're not asking you about that. They're asking you, what difference did you make? What impact did you have? How do do you go solve these problems? How do you think? And the surrogate for that, because we don't get that, you have to get to the interview as a consultant by already people knowing you. And so I often advertise, it's the conferences and the workshops and presentations you make while you're still employed, before you decide to go to consulting, to start building up that, credibility and and sharing of what you know. So people can can do the due diligence and say, well, what is Chris really after? How does he approach teaching this? And then they can see examples and examples of it and so on. That's a part is to get to know you. If if you're on page 487 of a Google search result for reliability engineering, well, it's very difficult for people to get to know you then. Uh, So writing articles, writing, uh, doing a podcast, You know, doing you know all these different opportunities present. That's part of just building awareness that you exist, and Mm -hmm. then this. But it also serves a purpose. What you're talking about, Chris, is well, it conveys how you solve problems, what kind of problems you solve, where where do you make a difference, and then it's the website or your LinkedIn profile and so on has got to be. I can. Help you solve these things. I can bring value to you in this way, this way, and this way. This is the kinds of stuff that will, that when we work together, will change. That will make a difference. Um, yeah, it's definitely not that I spent four years in this school and three years at that school, and that. There, one 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 guy years ago was talking to me about the CRE program from ASQ, and he said, you know, at first I thought if somebody went to the trouble to get certified in, in this. Professional societies or uh, process, um, they're taking their career seriously until I started interviewing people and realized that they don't know anything about reliability. They just got the certification so that they had it on their resume. but when you ask them the difference between an exponential and a viable distribution, and they were like, uh, I don't know. I, you know why would I need to know that? Well, then you're not going to be hired if it's what you do with the knowledge you have, it's not what certification you get.
1: I mean,
0: the, to it's key is what you were talking about. It's like, if,
1: to be, if the only thing you know, there is no difference between an exponential and a ball in certain cases, just thought I'd put that in there. Yeah. yeah smart ass.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but the idea is, is that I if, if the only thing they can say is well, MTTF is for re- non-repairable systems and MTBF is for repairable systems because that's a question on the CRE prep, exam or the CRA exams which it is um, yep which it is but it's like okay so <laughs> one if they're talking to me is like why would you ever use those things but two is um where how do you apply these how do you what how do you apply these concepts how do you use the knowledge that you've demonstrated you know oh i forgot it all after the test is probably the honest answer for some of the yeah. people i've talked to like well uh, you know, that's not the point. The idea of a CRE is that you expand your knowledge in areas that that you can then solve better problems more efficiently or better and so on. That was the intent. I don't know if it still serves that purpose, but I've run into a handful of employers that go, "You know, I see that on the if it's featured and they're really proud of their recent certification, I think they got the wrong idea. Certification's not the end of the game. It's it's a marker Yet more importantly, is how you use that knowledge. And it's the same for consulting. It's not so much I'm a consultant now, I got lots of experience. You know, in, in the nine to five job, it's so what, do you, what can you do? What, what results are you getting? How can you make a difference? And the, having lots of experience communicating with people and making that publicly available. I've heard one person tell me is, well, I'm not going to write down everything I know in articles because that gives away what I know. I said, you know, <laughs> it's really hard for you to give away what you know. It, it's yet it's equally hard to attract people that want to know more about you or know more of what you know. Um, I I ran into, I mean, I've written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of articles, and I the same person is like, why do you give all this away? They could just do it themselves. And if they can do it themselves, they don't need to hire me. And he goes exactly. You don't get as enough business. And he says, "Yet those people come back, knowing that I help them, because they know I can help them again. And it might be a more urgent problem or a difficult problem or whatever it is. But I don't really need to teach somebody how to create a CDF or a Weibo plot. You know, there's a role for that, and I can do that in an article or a video. But if you want to know how to interpret that and actually make decisions in your organization." you know that's harder to write down because it's so, so circumstantial so let's then they hire you and then you get the better problems you get the more interesting work and stuff like that and and then there's also people that say i love your articles why don't you come teach those to us right you got all the articles this is yeah but i don't know it like you do well if you read the articles <laughs> i actually told one guy as well if you actually read the articles then you'd be okay But. Damn, well, I think
1: people it. read articles, and they uh, you, you can't become an expert after reading one article, which is you know, we all know that. But also, I mean, I think the articles are really good at essentially conveying a need to do something, um, yeah. which of course is it's a very important first step. And but then you go, oh, I don't know how to do that. Um, this guy who wrote the article obviously he does. He explained how it helps. We need him on board. I mean, it's 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 even if you read articles. Um, yeah, it, it is. It's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of your your, your um uh, your um your growth as a as, as a consultant as well. But again, going back to that person who is treating their corporate knowledge as IP. I remember an episode of The Office where they were interviewing for Michael's. You know, hopefully, some most of our listeners know who the, what the office is, the sitcom based out of Scranton, Pennsylvania. But they are interviewing. Um, uh, a bunch of prospective managers to replace Michael Scott, and one of them said, "I have a three-step plan to, um, uh, to double profits and triple this and everything else." And the guys interviewing him said, "Well, that's cool. Can we hear it?" And he said, "Well, I can't tell you what the plan is, otherwise you'll just take it. You won't hire me." And so they were negotiating how many steps of the plan this prospective manager was going to divulge to indicate that he knew. <laughs> uh, he did have a three-step plan, and to give these guys a confidence that there was a three-step plan ready to be unleashed. But it, it sort of illustrates <laughs> the farce of that situation. It sounds where, like he'd be so, a perfect
0: uh, manager for that group. <laughs> That's like
1: well, true, yeah. No, maybe the actor who played was Will Arnett was playing that one. Um, but it's just. That's exactly what we're talking about. You can say, "Well, this is my knowledge. I'm not going to share it. People need to pay me before they I share my knowledge with them." That's cool, dude. They'll never know you have that knowledge, so you'll be waiting a long time. And so, it's it's a bit. I think with with consultants, it's a bit like it's a lot of karma involved. The more you give out, the more you get back. Um, It's very hard to put into more. Very hard to put into a business plan. as near as I can tell, Ascendo reliability hasn't paid me for a single webinar I've done. Um, unless I'm missing something. But um well,
0: are you asking for a risk. I'll double it for you. Yeah. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> Two times nothing, Fantastic. it's still
1: nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I'll do it
0: willingly. It's also Yeah, I should I'm be charging something. you for all the exposure and all the, all the <laughs> you know, That's... it's you know, all the clients you're getting on. It. But it's there's two parts to it. And I, I agree with you, Chris, it's it's a trade-off. It's hard to put in a business plan. Yet you need to share what you know so that people get to know what you know. And, and then they can help match that. They'll, you, they have to know what you offer. I think your earlier point is that they have to know that, oh, we could do it this way. I didn't know about that. Let's get a hold of Chris. Chris explained that really well. Let me, let's see, because he knows about it. Let's get him in here. There's part of awareness, there's part of sharing what is your expertise? How do you go about solving problems? And the other part is is, is just awareness. And, and that's what started Ascendo, right? It was a handful of consultants sitting around going, our individual websites are are lost in, in search results. We just, you can't see them. We don't, we don't create enough content on a regular basis that it ranks very well. And we get small followings, yet, it was, when you're competing against Wikipedia and Reliasoft and their uh, Weible.com kind of sites and, and reliable web type uh, uh, trade magazines, where they're putting out new content all the time, we were just lost. Well, Sendo, I just tallied it up the other day. We have 61 individual contributors, some doing lots of different content and lots of different formats, and others are doing a single article series and so on. The benefit is, is that somebody comes to see one of your articles, Chris, and they find, oh, what's over here? What's this next article? Or they get on the email list and they get 10 to 20 new pieces of content every week. And they go, oh, okay. Who's this Andre guy? Let me go check out that. And that looked like an interesting topic. Let me, so we get a, I call it a splash effect. Somebody comes to the site for some purpose and then they say, oh, there's other stuff here that's related to what I need to know. And then we all benefit. And not only that, the site puts up new content every single day, except Saturday. We don't put anything on Saturday. And everything goes up. And so it's in the eyes to search engine, it's constantly evolving and creating new content. So we all win. And that's the idea. As a consultant, it's something to tap into, yet I highly recommend, As my last comment here, is you start that process well before you start consulting. And at some point, at least in my experience, somebody called me up and said, are you available for consulting? And it was on my long range plan, but that was the trigger. said, okay, I quit. I'm going to be a consultant now and never look back. But I already had a huge resume or I call it the Google resume of lots and lots and lots of people knew who I was and how I approached problems. And so it worked out really, really well in that case.
1: I think the other bit of pill for many people to swallow, and this is I don't know if it's controversial, but I'm adamant it's correct is that sometimes good reliability engineers are not good consultants and good consultants are not always good reliability engineers yeah if you if you are a good reliability or quality engineer, that definition of good is very subjective. you might be able to do the best viable analysis this side of the sun you might be able to you know really be good at getting into the vital few. You might know every detail of how to done uh, how a FEMIA is run, but if you don't have the person interpersonal skills to be a facilitator, to be a teacher, to be uh, someone who convinces your clients that this is the way to go, um, I know that you 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 are, for example, Fred. You're very personable. You you are like a a social sponge at the, at the conferences you used to go to. You know you're very good at sort of um creating a safe place for people to, to offload their reliability engineering confessions. You, you are better at that than I am, that's for sure. Um and you, well, you just need to smile more, Chris. That's all. Oh, uh, it's just yeah you know, it's been holding back face. on you. Sorry about that. You on can try faces. it next week. <laughs> oh, damn it. That's just why I do podcasts. So people can't see how angry I look all the time. <laughs> but um but it's some people just don't have it, Fred. They just don't it's just that's just the way it is and yeah. you can't you can't go back to your cv and resume and say look i am really good at all this stuff but if you can't make that personal connection or if you struggle with dealing with people at, in a sort of if you're if you're a natural introvert you're going to struggle <laughs> you will and then the same thing the other way though is i've met plenty of very successful reliability engineering consultants where the only thing they're really good at is a personal stuff. Because as soon as it comes to doing an equation, they are lost. But they have convinced their clients to offload bucket loads of money for uh, their ability to solve whatever problem they've convinced their client they're experts at solving. Right. But in the real world, you go, you, you look at some, if you look at some of their recommendations, it's just go, oh, yeah.
0: No, it, you it, don't. There's you a don't lot of anything. variability out there. And I think, yeah, it, there's, Buyer beware is probably, and, and having a good understanding of how they go about solving problems, how they communicate problems, you know, it, all of those things matter. And it, it's worked for me. It, no guarantee it work for you. Um, I, I do suggest that if you're an introvert and you know that you're not comfortable with people. Uh, on all kinds of levels is you can learn to be. You can practice that. You can turn that on. It takes time. It takes practice. It gets out of your comfort zone. There's no doubt about it. Um, you can learn that. Um, so anyway, to become a consultant is a little bit different than just hanging your shingle out there and saying, "Oh, I'm a consultant now." It's a start that's you got to do at least that step at some point in time. otherwise, you you're not. If you're not interested in taking on clients, then you're not a consultant. The hard part is getting consultants to believe that you're the right choice. And that's where most of this conversation has been focused on is how do you get that out there? How do you market yourself? How do you build your own brand? How do you uh, share what you know in a a way that helps people understand that you know what you're talking about? That all matters. Um, Oh, and then by the way, once you actually have a client, you got to really do a good job for them and help them. Solve a problem and add a lot of value is your next client is likely going to come as a result of that. It's, it's word of mouth is your best sales package. Isn't doing a good job. That might be a subject for a whole nother podcast. Is you know what do you do now that you sign the NDA um, and you're off and running? Uh, but if you're thinking about becoming a consultant, uh, I want to do a shameless plug here, Chris, for the Ascendo is in one of the best things you can do if you're thinking about doing it in sometime in your future is start writing an article series or write a pod or do a podcast or some other way to share what you know and Ascendo Reliability is really built to help you do that. We get great content and you get an audience and just get in touch and we'll get you set up and and we'll go from there. I think I don't know if I can manage 100 people doing it I might have to, you know, get some more help to run the site. But that's a problem I'm willing to take because I know it makes a huge difference in lots of people's lives to what Ascendo does. So if you're interested, let us know. And if you have a topic or an idea you'd like us to talk about on on this show, uh, let us know. We're at uh, ascendoreliability.com slash go slash S-O-R. And you can find a couple of ways to get in touch with us there. Also, Chris and I and the other hosts are available through LinkedIn and our about pages on the site. So plenty of ways for you to get in touch and and connect with us. All right. Well, Chris, you mentioned early on that you're going to this conference next week. So you can practice your your social skills and talk to people and smile some more and stuff like that. That'd be fun. Let me know how it goes.
1: I don't (laughs) like people.
0: (laughs) And I know that's facetious. (laughs) Have a good time at the conference. Safe travels. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Fred. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation. If you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show, please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes, or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.